You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! It's your old pal Tom May. This is the inaugural episode of the Future Friday podcast. I've been a huge fan of podcasts for a long time. And uh, playing in the Menzingers and touring the world for the better part of 10 years, I've met some really interesting and fascinating people. One of my favorite things to do is to sit down, pick their brain, or or chat them up annoyingly and and see if we can end up with a different worldview at the end. Uh, For now, the format is a loose conversation with some friends along with some specific questions I'm asking everybody and I'm going to cut them together at a later date for some special episodes. The music you're hearing is an original song by Pat Breyer who makes music under the moniker Queen Jesus. It's uh, fantastic. I'll put a link up to his music at futurefriday.net. My first ever guest is Augusta Koch, one of my dearest, oldest friends, uh, fantastic musician, the voice of Cayetana and Gladdy. Uh, You can check out futurefriday.net and I'll have a link to her music there. Thank you so much for listening. Here we are. Here we are. <laughs> it's rolling. It's working. Yeah. Nice. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much for doing this podcast with me. It's the Thanks, first one. Tom. I'm really excited. It's fun. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Uh, so you said one of your hobbies is sleep. That was a joke. <laughs> but yeah, I do love to sleep. Yeah, absolutely. When it happens. It's really funny to me how it kind of just came one day that all like memes and, sh- and things like that, everybody just got so excited. Like about rather be bed. sleeping. Yeah, rather be sleeping mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. It is funny how just like every year incrementally it feels like sleep is just more and more rare and valuable. It is. Yeah, I love it. I feel like getting a good night's sleep is really life changing when you're about to turn 30. It's abs- definitely true. You can feel it now. Yep. <laughs> every minute. Yeah. Uh, what's really funny about living in this house, uh, where for those who can't see, we're in my kitchen right here in South Kitchen Philadelphia. living room. Yep, kitchen living room. One That's big living room. room. Where we're sitting actually nice used to be a lemonade stand. Plan. Oh, really? Yeah, I asked my neighbor. She said that this was a lemonade stand. Combined the houses 20 or 30 years ago. And next door, underneath the corner store, was a speakeasy where she had her first Weird, beer. I wish that was still open. I know. That'd be great. Not Maybe that they it would is. let us in there, but... <laughs> I think they'd let us in. Are you oh, like a light sleeper? No. I'm a heavy sleeper. I nice. snore. I snore when I drink a lot, but I think that kind of happens to to everyone, to, to all of us. Yeah, yeah. It's funny it's people snoring on tour. Uh, if you're all crammed into a hotel room, everybody kind of has a different way to deal with that. I don't know if you it guys drives me that. crazy if I'm if someone if I'm asleep, then I don't hear it. But if I'm awake, I want to fucking. Oh my god! Yeah, you start face. like coming up with reasons to resent the person, yeah, some like, way why? that they wronged you. But then I do it too. But I don't know. Truth. Yeah. That's the thing about snoring. The worst part about the snoring to me is when it's not rhythmic. Yeah. It's like sporadic snoring. Or it's like someone who's really nasally. Yeah. And then it's like, 
<laughs> the worst. <laughs> There's some people uh, in our band that snore really bad, and we always it's used Joe, to just. Right? It's Joe. How did I know <laughs> that? And Eric. Yeah. Eric doesn't seem like a snorer. No, yeah, he doesn't look like. I don't know if a snorer has a look, but I don't think he has one. I think of Bill from Captain. We're thinking. Yeah. The loudest snorer. He just because he looks walls. like he he's like could sleep so deeply. He does. Yeah. I've heard him snoring from like a few doors down. That's true. <laughs> Yeah, usually Joe or Eric would wake up with a pile of uh, shoes around them. Because people are throwing shoes at them. Yeah, because the Because if you shake them, then you wake them up. They might wake up all the way, but the strategy is to like anonymously shake them into a little bit less of a sleep so that you can try to fall asleep in the two minutes that it takes yeah. for them to get back into the snoring mode again. I roll when I sleep. I rolled off my loft bed. Oh, my God. And got a concussion, <laughs> I think. That's horrible. I hit my head on the metal stool that I get it into my bed on and uh, went to work and everyone was like, I'm pretty sure you have a concussion. You should go home. <laughs> Rolled right off because Matt was gone. So he's Damn. my barrier. So it's a barrier. He, you would put him on the edge as like the catcher in the loft kind yeah. of situation. I rolled on top of Rachel Del Soro when she toured with us <laughs> and she couldn't get me off her. <laughs> it was pretty funny. I uh, felt really bad. I used to sleepwalk really bad when I was a kid. I remember, didn't you sleepwalk when you were in Australia and end up on a different floor? I did. I ended up locked in my hotel room uh, in my underwear, story. walking back and forth, banging on uh, Joe and Toby's dorm or hotel room. And were then banging you you on weren't just drunk? No. So that's the thing. I realized that as an adult, most of the times that I was sleepwalking, I was probably just really drunk. Yeah. But this time, no. I was just uh, woke up in the hallway kind of just walking. I did that as a kid. Yeah. I would sleepwalk. And then I remember once I sleptwalked. Into, or slept walk? Sleepwalked. Sleepwalked? Sleepwalked. Into the bathroom at my grandparents' house, and my mom found me eating chapstick. <laughs> <laughs> it was weird. Yeah. Do you remember the dream that you're having while it no. was going on? Usually people are like, yeah, I was dreaming of this when that happened. I didn't. I was also a bedwetter. I was so. a, definitely a bedwetter later than. Um, I, was, I don't want to admit this, were, but uh, I was definitely a late bedwetter. 15, I went to a sleepover. 20. At this girl's house that was really mean. And I slept in the bunk bed and I peed on her. Wow. And that's not a thing that you want young teenagers or prepubescent kids to know. I was in like sixth grade. Ah, okay. But she was pretty pissed. Yeah, I'd imagine if somebody peed on me. I was like, no, I think it was just a cup of water. No, I peed on her. (laughs) Hell yeah. She sucked anyway, so. Funny how you can remember those people that had, you know, such a minuscule amount of time in your life that really just affects yeah. you to this day. It's traumatizing though when you pee on someone. Yeah. And then everyone knows. Don't care anymore. <laughs> nope. Can you remember her na- well, don't say her name, but can you even remember her name? Yeah. No. See? She doesn't matter. You're just like the, I it's remember more what of the association like. of the memory or yeah. whatever, you know. She had a log cabin, I remember that. Which was pretty cool. That is pretty cool, honestly. But I wonder how hard it would be to just build a log cabin. If you like, I so you have like, this house up at the Poconos where yeah. you guys built a beautiful studio in it. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of people go record there. And I went there. You let me. You were very nice to let me go there. And I wrote um, a good one of my hit. favorite songs that I've written in years there over that weekend. Mm-hmm. It was pretty awesome. But uh, yeah, so it's, it's secluded in the woods. It's kind of like a beautiful place. Like yeah, it's, really it's cool you guys a lot that. different since you've been there too. I imagine. But yeah, I feel like building a log cabin at this point, I could do it. Yeah. You just chop down yeah. the wood, wait a couple of years for it to dry. Once you have all the tools to do anything, it makes creating a lot easier. Yeah. Like I never had, I used to always have this theory like, or have this feeling of being like, I have all the blueprints essentially. Like this is an analogy, but no, not the right tools, especially when you grow up with just a mom and we never like, my mom had like six drills. 
but we would always lose like the power cord or like the bits. So she would just buy another one. Yeah. Because it was just like two women like taking care of this big house. But now we have all the right tools. And now we're just building log lamps. We're installing windows, drywall. It's also like YouTube, you know. Yeah, I was going to bring that up after. That makes things a lot easier. Like, and I love learning anything from just like, ooh, I'm a visual learner. So like watching a video, I'm like, oh, I could do that. I could do that. I yeah. could make a uh, macrame now. Right, yeah, I can or, build a uh, 10-foot tall stone yeah. pizza oven in my backyard. Or no, whatever. but you can. Like the other, when Danny was there, I was like, I'm going to, I have this old drum set from when I played drums in Catholic school. And I was like, I can't use this. It's all rusted. I'm going to make it into a fire pit. Did you build a fire pit out of an old drum set? That's well, awesome. Well, it looks terrible. Okay. And, and they it's were made like, out of wood. Well, I poured cement into it. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. I was like, man, I looked at Pinterest for like 20 minutes. I was like, I got this. <laughs> so it doesn't always pan out, but I still yeah. feel like you can make whatever you want. Yeah, that's awesome. I picture the Pinterest the right. version of that having a bunch of Edison bulbs on oh, a string yeah. kind of around it. That's my jam. Yeah. <laughs> But it is cool to have uh... you, you know, Pinterest is, I think, one of the few, if not like the only major um, social media network that is predominantly women. It makes sense because it's great. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not I'll give stupid. You I mean, I, I feel like I go through periods every month where I delete my social media because mm-hmm. it's very toxic for me sometimes. But I never delete Pinterest because it's the greatest. And yeah. Reddit is great, too. Yeah, Reddit's fantastic. But you can just learn anything. Like, I'll be like, oh, I want to, like learn how to make a turmeric shot you know or yeah. got that learn how to make a drum set a uh, fire pit you know i know on uh, pinterest you can make secret boards oh yeah all not, my boards are secret oh, okay. because i have no friends on pinterest. <laughs> well that's the one thing about reddit and uh uh pinterest to me is that it missing the social factor of the people in your life that you actually know yeah i don't have friends on reddit either yeah me Do neither you? i follow uh a couple people that i know no, I and don't since do that. Uh, my Reddit account is associated with our band because I did a, a, an AMA a oh, long time so ago, so people can look so you up. So people will hit me up once can't in a while. Can't they see what you read then? No, I'm, I had to double check. That that. Would they can't suck see what I'm subscribed to. That's yeah, that would be really like, bad. You know, I read. I was reading a subreddit about Westworld for like twelve <laughs> hours. I wouldn't yeah. necessarily want people to know that. No. Except right now, I'm telling people. But yeah, and I've got. I go to the, some of the weird ones for a while. I'm not sure. So do you ever read the? Are we living in a glitch? Oh my god, glitch in the matrix? Yeah, or ones like that. Yeah, I love that. There was a story on there about a couple that it was so convincing. I don't know how good mm-hmm. the writer, you know, the, the writer obviously was amazing. But they said that they went to the movies. They were leaving the movies, and some guy, like a shady guy, walked up and asked them for a cigarette. Mm-hmm. And the guy said, "No, I don't have one." And they got in a big fight, and then they stabbed the guy of the couple, and the girl like ran and everything. Wait, and the cigarette guy stabbed the, the cigarette. Man. Uh, yeah, the man who required a cigarette stabbed. The dude was like, no, I don't have one. Yeah. And then they went through like this quick, it was like a deja vu equivalent of then they kind of like experienced the same moment again. The dude asked for a cigarette and the guy was like, yeah, I have one. And he gave it to him. Both him and his girlfriend were like looking at each other really weird and gave him the cigarette. And they both got in their car and they both just like started crying. We're like, what the fuck just happened? I don't know if we just experienced a, a slip of, of consciousness from another, you know, plane where that actually happened or whatever. But yeah, I believe awesome. in that. Deja vu. I've had shit. deja vu in my life so many times where I, I don't know what it is, but I, I believe in it. Yeah, I do too. I think that from a materialist standpoint, you could kind of write it off like, um, no, it's definitely just you know certain chemicals or neurons firing off in your brain that make yeah, you experience it, it that way. Yeah, isn't that's how they describe it or like try and explain it as like it's a time lapse in your brain. Yeah, I don't know. I gotta check it out. But I don't. I have a fucking deja vu story, and I will never 
not believe it after that. Do you want to share it? Yeah. Can you tell us? I went to Paris when I was 16 or 17 with my school art class. And we had this really awesome chaperone who was like this hippie woman. She was super cool. So she just let us drink and like we left the Louvre to go to a nude beach. It was awesome. That rules. Anyway, we were walking down the street in Paris, had never been there before. And we were like making a left onto a little side street. And before we turned, I was like, oh my God, I have crazy deja vu. And her being like a hippie. She was like, what is it? Like, tap into it, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, there's going to just be a huge red flower pot in the middle of the sidewalk. We turned, and there was a huge red flower pot in the middle of the sidewalk. Wow. And every, like, I, I don't know how many people, maybe it was just like three people, were like, what the fuck? And I, it kind of gave me anxiety. I was just Yeah, like, I mean, really how are you supposed to react out. to that? And then there was this woman um, on the trip, and her family was Puerto Rican, and they had a whole theory that, like, when you're in the womb, you see your life play out when you're in the womb. I don't know. I remember being like, this is real. Who am I? You've lived this before or saw yeah. it and remembered it. Or I was here. I don't know. That's fucking intense. Yeah, it Hell is. Yeah. And I think that uh, a lot of people will try to write that off as, you, you, I mean, your memory really is incredibly unreliable. Like, yeah. You know, you try to remember. I was thinking about that if I was going to be a character in, in Law and Order, but in real life, I guess I, just a witness to a crime. Yeah, how do you like, remember hey, what you were doing last Tuesday? Yeah, never fucking remember. Yeah. I think about that all the time. Somebody gets on the elevator and I don't look at their face, and then we ride the elevator for five floors and they get off. Would I be able to reliably identify that person? No. No fucking way. Well, they've even proven that your memory changes based on your assumptions about it, you know? One of my favorite th- uh, experiments that they did, I don't even know if it was a TV show or whatever, but they uh, went in, I remember seeing it, and somebody would order something from the clerk. At the, mm-hmm. at the counter, and then they would bend down, and then a different person would stand up, and the people wouldn't even notice. Sometimes they were like the different race, different. I feel like that could happen uh, to me every night oh, when I'm sure. waitressing. <laughs> Come back to the table, they could all completely Nobody switch. Nobody has no any idea. idea. Or, yeah. or someone will, I'll be waiting on a table for like two hours, and then someone will like talk to me outside of the table, and I'm like, who the fuck are you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it's like, you know me from uh, the big table up there. Yeah. Totally. All that bleeding, getting done. I would that never mode. know. I think that the way that we perceive memory and when there's a lot of times when people have had, you know, premonitions or experiences where things read about, I've been reading about them in ghost story books and stuff like that mm. for my entire life. Uh, you could write it off and say that there's no way that would happen. But I think that's just as, that's so foolish because to think that our understanding of consciousness and time and our abilities to measure the material universe are so f- not advanced to the point where they're going to be that to make that assumption is just silly well it's kind of you know that whole thing where you're like driving in a car and you like look at someone if you're like stopped on the highway and, and they look at you like we have these animal instincts that are real or, oh, totally. and premonitions you know maybe not premonitions but like instincts are real yeah there might there's some kind of like thing like, that we can't quantify or measure yet that connects how that. you change mm-hmm. when you're a, become a mother like you become more protect like your instincts are heightened yeah and that's a real thing totally or like when it. your dog knows when you're coming home. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Like even the cat knows. I got a cat running around here somewhere. Uh, before Beth Ann gets home, the cat will go to the door like way before there's any type of sense that the, she's going to oh, come home. Course. Like if it's not the same time. but Or if you're like think, you know, this is also could just be a coincidence, but like you're thinking about someone and then they text you. Yeah. Oh, that one happens all the time. That's like, you know. People that's don't the, text me that often, but yeah. it, sometimes I'll be like. You know, with like one of my good friends, I'll be like, oh my God, that's literally 
thinking about you. Which, that's stupid, but I believe I, in it. See, I, yeah, I don't think it's stupid. I think it's happened a million times. Well, how much different is texting than a form of telekinesis in itself? You know, like, yeah. you can use your, I mean, you sure you got to use your hands. You can't use just your mind. But you send a message to somebody almost instantly without any type of direct form of communication. Sure, it's a network that's made of wireless signals and, and all kinds of metal and wires and electronic, uh, electrons firing off. But, I mean, isn't that how your ner- nervous system works? It's firing yeah. off electrons, and we kind of just build something And we own. adjust to that, too, that technology. Like, even when you can see someone typing back, and then they stop, and then they start, like... Yeah. It's kind of like your brain kind of... At least I interpret it in the way of being, like, hesitant of what you're going to say or... Or they're thinking about it, you yeah, know? Yeah, totally. It's um, like changing the way that we communicate with each other all together. That is, like, exactly what you're saying. That's yeah. how it's, you know, it's become a new norm. I mean, it's like, no... Especially people... I think of people that grew up with that their whole lives. It must be, like, you read into it the way you read into body language when you're talking to someone. Yeah. You know? Totally. So all the weird. kinds of uh, different body language that we don't perceive consciously, like the little things. I read this book by this... Uh, called The Like Switch. It's by this ex-FBI agent. So fascinating. So many facets of it were so... Uh, interesting and how to, I guess, to a degree, manipulate people. But it wasn't like a manipulation for Great, some kind of like hol- <laughs> <laughs> right? not some kind of like hollow uh, or like gain that you want to get for yourself. But just how to. I mean, the guy was an interrogator or whatever. Yeah. But he went over some of the simple things that we do. Like when you walk up to somebody, you notice you might pop your eyebrows up real fast, mm-hmm. like that. That's like an uh, evolutionary symbol that we developed um, between each other to show that you're not a threat. So like when you're walking, I wonder the street, if that will. Um, change with the how much people communicate face to face totally i feel like it will i think it will for sure i think that you could probably show it in kids now like a a kid not to be i think that everybody who gets to our age starts being grumpy about technology and the change of social media but uh, i think a lot of kids they'll text each other while they're in the same room instead of talking to each other which who can i judge who am i the judge to say that's right or wrong you know that's what the kid was given uh but if they're not used to using the facial cues are they going to go yeah, away you know that's like, just the way it is though totally i was thinking about that today i went to the dmv and uh i went with dave uh, our sound guy engineer dave is a um, uk citizen but has a visa here and he wanted to get a state id and he had the in the british you know are famous for the way that they queue politely and deal with their bureaucracy and all that and he gets up and this lady's just like what and he's like, oh, okay, and he doesn't have something that he needs, and she's real mean to him. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's really he's so nice. He's too. one of the kindest people I've ever met. But uh, yeah, I went there and I had to get my picture taken, and uh, I thought in my head occurred that I realized that back in the day when you used to have to get your picture taken for your license or your picture taken at school or picture taken at a family function, things like that, you put a lot of thought into it and you weren't used to it. Uh, yeah. But kids now with cell phones and with all of your parents having a cell they're phone, they're like, "Can I take, take a picture?" All day, yeah, right. <laughs> it's so funny. My nephews, if you say say cheese, they just like come running from wherever and they're ready to go. You know? Yeah, that's classic kid though. Yeah, totally. Too. But Truth. yeah, that is weird because people are so used to photos. Yeah, I like it. I mean, there's more information, you know. Yeah, there's so. a lot. There's a lot out there. Totally. So technology, huh? <laughs> cell great. phones, huh? What's hey, that? I like a cell phone. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great. It's funny to have the Library of Alexandria in your pocket, ready to go to look up anything that yeah. you want to. You know, like the I bar like arguments. Uh, I feel like there's some growing pains, but I feel like with time there'll be, you know, you're, like how we were talking before, your ability to make anything or like look up anything once you take the other stuff that isn't so good. Yeah, I'm glad you said it's growing pains because I think that overwhelmingly it's a great thing. I think that the think people so collecting the data can do, uh, you know, can manipulate us more than they already have. Think about the way that they've used commercials to manipulate us to buy things by making us feel bad and shit like that. Yeah. What they can do with the 
amount of information they have from your cell phone, fuck, like, oh, so much. You get us buying all kinds of shit. It works. I mean, I buy stuff at three in the morning now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely a sucker for. That. I bought so much shit off of podcasts and Instagram ads. But me too. I'll yeah. be like, oh, that looks interesting. Yeah, I don't know, like, but at the same time, it, I feel like I, I was talking to someone about Amazon because I buy a lot of stuff from Amazon Prime because yeah. it's great. It's That's like getting awesome. a little present all the time. And I spend less money than I would if I just went to Target. And then I was like, oh, I spent $100 and I got a pair of socks and yeah, some totally. lotion I don't want. Something. And you're like looking at it later and like, like what I'd did rather, I get that day? Yeah, no. just be like, this is what I need. And totally. You know. My problem with it, uh, not problem with it, like solution and problem with shopping out for stuff on Amazon is the rabid search for the absolute best thing of what you're getting. Oh, yeah. But so then you realize that the all of those. Stars, all that shit. But all of those reviews, a lot of those reviews are fake. Oh, too. Totally. Like, I know someone who writes reviews for Yelp and Amazon. Yeah, And I'm they sure. just make a million accounts and... And just do that. Yeah, but I mean, it is true. I'm I'm like, oh, how can I get... I had to order lights for that uh, stop motion video I've been making. Hell yeah. And uh, I was like, oh, I'm just going to order all this for $30 and we'll be here tomorrow. So I'm like, where am I going to get that stuff right now? I need it right now. Yeah. But it's pretty cool. Yeah, one thing that's cool about living where we live, uh, as far as Amazon Prime goes... Is that I've definitely ordered stuff in the morning and, and it gets it here at like one o'clock, yeah. two o'clock. Somebody literally flies up outside in a white nondescript van that's like all dinged up, gets out, has an Amazon pass on, bangs on my door, throws the thing in the screen door and just walks away. It's, yeah, that's yeah. us too. It's nice because they can just open the little screen and throw it in there so you're not worried about it getting So awesome. Whatever. How do you think they got, right before we started doing this, uh, a guy, we were outside and a guy He's pulled gone. up. Oh, they're gone. They changed the tire. Nice. Well, I saw them putting like using the jack. Yeah, they probably put their donut on. Really nice, brand new yeah. Mercedes. Yeah. One guy was filming the. Did you notice that one guy was on the sidewalk filming the guy? Oh, really? Yeah, somebody was on the corner filming. They're probably the dude. making their own little <laughs> YouTube video. Yeah, or infinite content, yeah, probably. Yeah. But he flew up onto the curb and he immediately smashed his tire and it started hissing everywhere. It was pretty funny, actually. Yeah, it was, I was really trying funny. not to laugh. <laughs> Definitely. Because he was like, oh. Yeah, I was like, like hey, do I like, you know, how do I make him feel better about the yeah. situation? And you were just like, well, at least you're in a parking spot. <laughs> I mean, that's true, though. Yeah, totally. It's not like wild. he bent the rim or anything. No, it's good. I've so, uh, what, do, what do you got coming up? In life. In life. Well, yeah, I'm in life aging. In, yeah. Uh, <laughs> just playing some shows this week, I'm trying to write a record this summer. Hell yeah. Making some little stop motion videos. Yeah, you sent me what you've been making, and it's. I made. Awesome. I just made one for Thin Lips new record. Oh, that's awesome! Um, and it, I had to do it in like a week, and I was just like, "Oh, sure, I'll do this." But then I was like, "Shit, it takes like <laughs> seventeen hours." <laughs> Luckily, I have a lot of time, and cool. then I ended up doing it in two days. So I was like, "All right," but yeah, that's been fun. It's been nice to make some different kinds of art. Ever since I've known you, you're one of my oldest friends. For sure, you're my first friends ever when I, I You were one of my only friends. <laughs> I'll, take, I'll take that. That's true. Um, and you've always been really into art. Yeah. You've been extremely, one of the most colorful people that I know. I do like colors. You do, very much so. Yeah. And uh, it's fantastic. Yeah. And yeah, you've always been really into art and making crafts and stuff like that. And I always found it interesting that you got into music and were so good at it. Not that I was not surprised you were so old. good at it. Yeah, when you were a little <laughs> bit older, you got into yeah. it later then. Was there something that kind of spiked or, or, or ticked off in your in your brain or something that you realized uh, maybe socially or whatever that just was like, fuck it, I'm going to do this? I think, you know, I have been reflecting about that time in my life for a while um, recently, and I was like, I do like starting a lot of projects. I have some serious AD, <laughs> ADD. Um, <laughs> And I like making things. I like the idea of making something out of nothing, which is 
great when you grow up poor. <laughs> but I think I had lacked the self-confidence of being able to do that for a long time. And I, I feel like if I hadn't been in that particular situation with meeting Kelly and Allegra, I might have not done that. Uh, maybe now that, you know, I feel like socially things have changed, I would have started in a different way. But I think, like, being comfortable with yourself is really hard. And Absolutely. Especially, I'm definitely afraid of failure. You know? Like, I like to always set the bar low. Like, yeah. oh, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I love doing arts and crafts. I'm not really particularly good at any of them. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, I like just trying a lot of things because it eases my brain. But I think I've always been, like, a quiet observer when it comes to music. Like, music saved my life. still does. I would watch it. I've gone to a million fucking shows. Been supportive of so many friends. And then watching it and seeing how people interacted, I was like, I think I could do this. Yeah. I think when you observe something for a long time, it's like a form of studying it and... Totally. And even if, like, just listening to music for so long and being, like, a big fan, you learn, you're learning. Absolutely. You know, you, you can't listen to something over and over again and not pick up things. No, totally. Like, I feel like everyone who loves music probably has an idea of, like, melody and, and rhythm, even if they don't think they do. Yeah, everybody who tells me that they have, they're tone deaf or that they but can't. they don't. Uh, like, if you have yeah, a music, especially something. if you have a distinct musical taste or you're listening to various kinds of music, but you know what you like, you're better than you think you are. Totally. Which is something I didn't know until later. Where, like, as far as my skill sets musically, like we were saying before, I don't feel like a strong guitar player, which is the instrument I usually write songs with, but I love writing lyrics and I love melody because that's what I've always liked from listening to music. Yeah. That's like for some people, it's like I love the music behind it. Yeah. And I love that too, but from I mostly would listen to music for what they were trying to say. Sure. Um, and that's where I found the biggest change in music. You know, like the, the thing that you chase after, at least for me as a songwriter, is to try to get the music to complement the things that you're saying and the message behind it. Yeah. And you could get into areas where you're, you know, I listen to a lot of music that isn't in English and I don't understand it, but you can, but you can, you get can feel the, it. Yeah, you can, I feel you like curating a, a vibe oh. or a, like a, a sense is really cool. And recently I've been like thinking a lot about what I want from this new project and I really like the idea, my whole idea for this new record is to have music that's sonically happy sounding and lyrics that are not just contrast them. because I like, but you could still feel it. Like, um, I, like you were saying, like if you listen to music from that has a, a different language, I st still think even if the music's happy, you'd still mm -hmm. be able to pick up the vibe well, if you're doing it right. Totally. Isn't what you describe kind of cath like catharsis itself a little bit. Like, yeah. uh, the music sounds really good, but the lyrics are really sad and you kind of can use that to, as a vehicle to, um, you know, what makes you feel good when you hear a sad song? You know, mm -hmm. it's like uh, something about experiencing that depth of emotion and that type of emotion in a way allows you to let that emotion go. You, you yeah, can kind of, of like get rid of the part that the, the suffering itself. Yeah, I um, think that's what draws people to music because it's one of the only. It might be the most, at least for me and people like us, I would assume the most relatable form of art because you can just hear it you don't have to do the like you know where people find a lot of i don't want to say this the wrong way but like if you're into like fine art it yeah. takes a lot of work to appreciate that totally um, to me especially not to be too cynical but to me it seems like that's a lot of like a 
has a lot of gatekeepers around oh, it. Oh, yeah, you and know? it has like, a lot of money to do. Like, yeah, there's a lot of money. There's like, you go take a fine art class here. You know, not to, first of all, it's only the winners that that survived, you know, so the art that we see and that we respect is all kind of like through the looking glass of when the institutions. When they usually and, died poor and no one cared about yeah, them when true, they alive. But it's, it's all like the academic institutions and the... Yeah, that just decide society, this decide. person is totally. worthy. Which is something to that. That's like, you know, the representative of the culture and of, yeah. uh, of the world. Uh, but, but music you like can make free, there. you know, and totally. it's uh, for anybody. Like anybody can, especially now with the internet, like... Anybody you know. could hum, you know, like, and you can listen to it if you don't have any money, yeah. you know, like it's accessible for people. It's not like you have to go to a museum to see it no. uh, or experience it in person. You can, you know, in, in our situation, go to a, you, there's always shows and yeah. a lot of them are cheap and a lot of them you, you can get into if you don't have money. Totally. Which is nice. And that was one of the things, I mean, those, we could talk about the music stuff for, for hours, uh, mm-hmm. but a lot of the thing of going to shows and meeting people, that's how we just kind of build a social group. That's how, you know, the entire thing is centered around the music and the experience. And there's something that is inherently good to that. There's people who meet up who have shared interests in baseball and uh, playing like board games and shit. And that's all great too. You know, it's like, cool. But part of me is cocky enough to think that when you have, when the entire thing's centered around the creation of something to try to uh, reflect a shared experience. It's like something yeah, is almost you, religious about it. Oh, totally. I remember seeing, like watching a bunch of people watching the hold steady. And I remember it being like one of my greatest, um, moments experiencing music in the past few years. Cause I was just, I wasn't even really watching them play, but I was watching how happy everyone was. And like, it felt like you were at church. Like I grew yeah. up going to Catholic school and hating church but like seeing people that enjoyed it and took things from it and i was like when you're bonding over when people are bonding over like their deepest emotions or something so cool about that because it's not really something that's celebrated yeah you know totally i think you could scoff a little bit at it and it's like a goofy but it's kind of fun to uh little think about the total parallels to traveling preachers at least from like novels back in the day and what you'd see in the south and musicians like we go to a place and we play in a small dark room that has a bunch of lights that uh, make se- you have a sensory experience. It's so loud, and there's so many weird lights and shit going on. That you have a sensory experience that you just normally wouldn't have anywhere else in life. Uh, everybody does a bunch of drugs, or like you get a real drunk or whatever for most people, and that's kind of like you know the whole uh, shamanistic kind of part of it, or maybe a little bit. And then everybody mm-hmm. behaves in a way that is completely acceptable everywhere else in the world by like screaming and singing along and, and hugging strangers and shit yeah. like that. And that's totally just like an uh, elated experience. And there's like ego involved. <laughs> yeah. To- and money, you know, yeah. you're asking somebody to buy a t-shirt. I like, mean, it could go either way. It could be really pure or it could be really evil. Totally. Or just a weird combination of both of them, which is, yeah. I think, of what life is. It's pretty cool though. Yeah. I think it's one of the few really special things still. Oh yeah. It's so fun. Every yeah. time I, uh, we don't play a show for a long time and I could get jaded and, not resentful, but just be like, yeah, whatever, fucking, you know, I'm living my dream is great, but I'm just going to go on this tour and do this, this show thing. How much is this? Is this immature? I'm 30 years old. Then you play a show and you realize, no, this is this yeah, fucking Yeah, awesome. especially in the way that we're set up to think, like, it's inappropriate to still be doing this, you know? Yeah. I feel like when you're in a position where it's like, like, you guys tour all the time and it's, you know, you have it set up where it's a, you know, your career at this point. Yeah, and I, uh, lately I've been thinking with like starting over now. It is. Yeah, you want to say let's, let, knock, let's but, keep it keep it riding. Um, being like, should I still be working at this? And it's like, well, am I going to be happy working in an office? No. no, like that's not the type of person I am. I'd rather 
be fulfilled and do what I feel like I should do than listen to anybody else other than myself. <laughs> Absolutely. I think uh, I think that's a great way to live, and yeah. I hope that we can inspire other people to live that way, too. I feel like people are getting loosey-goosey, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't know. Hell, yeah. Uh, so how can anybody find you online and stuff? You know, Google. Google, just Google. <laughs> Gus Koch. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Absolutely. I don't even know what my socials I'll put, uh, are. So this is the like the first one that we're doing of this, and I don't oh. know what I'm doing, but I will put some links, uh, yeah. whatever you want me to throw up on, yeah, on the website. Yeah, you can link me. I'll link you. Cool. Link you. Do you have a LinkedIn I don't because yeah, I'm don't not either. professional. Exactly. But I get really funny emails all the time from people that I've... No. Yeah. Uh, I'm writing it off as if it's something that just seems... It just seems, it represents don't to me that Don't you have to be whole, like working like, in a business career? Or I would like, imagine. Like it has... You, it's like a professional... Yeah. Should I, I make one a for being a emails. waitress? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just give a really technical name to the... One to burger, the please. One, yep. Uh, it's just really funny to get emails from people that you haven't talked to in like 10 or 15 years or people that you met on tour that were like a little bit too professional that were just, you know, were like a, had a, had like a, a, a merch gig or TM gig or something. And they were like, took it really seriously. And you get an email from them 10 years later. I want to be your friend on LinkedIn. I always think that's pretty funny. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. I want to see what it looks like. That's true. It's like the dark web for me. Yeah. It is kind of like the dark like- web. What's the interface like? I don't is it know. really cool? Is it like Are Facebook? there memes? I don't know, but everybody has like really professional jobs. You ever notice how they get real like uptight about what they can do Put, at work yeah, and wear and share and stuff? Or like, yeah, what they can post. Yeah. Like you can't post because, you know, it could be misconstrued as controversial or yeah. inappropriate behavior. Or like what if I couldn't have crazy hair? Fuck. Can you imagine no. that? Yeah. What if I had to wear a long sleeve shirt and I couldn't show tattoos? That'd be... I feel like you could wear a long sleeve shirt. I could, but it'd be weird to have to. Yeah, it'd be really weird to be like, well, this is what I ha- I have to hide myself. Be- but for the reason that, yeah, I have to hide it yeah. because it might make People someone feel though. uncomfortable. Yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, you know, whatever. It sucks. I'm not make money. not judging anybody who wears a long sleeve shirt to work to cover their tattoos. You probably have My awesome sister job. does. Yeah. She has a lot of sweaters. Your sister's great. I know, and it sucks because she lives in Richmond, so it's hot. Yeah. It's probably really hot all the time. That'd really suck. She has that Jumanji sleeve, though, so... <laughs> Can't really show that. Hell yeah. Somebody told me the new Jumanji is really good. I heard it was terrible, but I want to watch it. Andy Clark told me it was good. I believe him. Yeah. I'd watch it on an airplane or something. Yeah, I would watch it if I was trying to go to bed. Totally. That's it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> then I'd just fall asleep. All right. Well, thank you so much for being thank here. Thank you. I really appreciate we, it. Should you answer something? <laughs> I don't know. Do you, no. What do you do at the end of it? Um, oh, bow. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you'd cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is a rock and roll city for sure. Yeah! Yeah! The Wrath of the Buzzard, WMMS, Cleveland.
the rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles, The Wrath of the Buzzard, P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts.